Well, hello again, folks. Welcome to Around the World in 80 Cigars with me, your host, Nick Hammond. Time for another podcast. And today I have somebody who I think you're going to enjoy listening to. He's the latest in a very long line of tobacco growers. In fact, I think uh, his family is probably the, if not the oldest, but certainly one of the oldest dynasties of tobacco growers on the planet. If you love cigars, there's every chance that you have enjoyed a stick that his family has had something to do with, I would have thought. His dad um, particularly is a legend. He's played his part over um, over the years. It must be hundreds, if not thousands, of different blends and brands um, over the last 40, 50 years. Um, and he's helped generation after generation of cigar makers and, and tobacco growers to learn their trade and understand what you have to do. And, and he's just a fascinating guy to chat to in his own right. But today's guest is learning his trade and following his own path. Uh, and I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to spend a bit of time with him out in Nicaragua. And we will chat about that because I loved it. But um, a very warm welcome to Nestor Placencia Jr. Nestor, how are you, my friend? Thank you, Nick. I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I thank you very much for the invitation and for uh, letting me uh, talk about the family history and explain to your listeners why we stand for it and uh, the passion that we have for this beautiful industry. So thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate your invitation. Hey, it's always good talking to you, Nestor. And what I love, you've always got a smile on your face, man. You always seem happy. <laughs> I'm a happy man. I'm a blessed, I'm a blessed man. I, I, I love what I'm doing. I love my family. You know, the spikes, especially this, this uh, hard times. You know, I think that attitude helps big time. And I, and I truly believe that we make people's life better with cigars. So that's a big responsibility. So that make me, that make me feel happy, my friend. Yeah, that's very true. And we are fortunate. We're very fortunate, all of us. And I know having been to your beautiful part of the world, you've got a lovely family, beautiful kids. Uh, you've got a great business. And as you say, cigars are about joy and happiness. So, you know, what's not to like, right? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And uh, it's a big stress reliever. So right now there's a lot of stress. So Cigars, enjoying cigars, that will help you. That will help you a lot, especially with a good quality cigars. <laughs> we agree. Let's talk a bit about uh, the family history, Nestor, so we can fill people in on that. Give us just a potted history of, of the extraordinary story of your family in cigars and in tobacco. Well, uh, this is a story of love for the tobacco since 1865. Uh, the Placencia family uh, started in Cuba growing tobacco in the area of uh, San Luis, Pinal de Rio. In 1865, when Eduardo Placencia came from Canary Island uh, to Cuba, so he started growing tobacco there. And then his nephew followed his steps. Uh, in 1898, um, his nephew was Sixto Placencia uh, Suarez. I mean, and, and he will and he will uh, get in the, the a new farm in 1898. So he started growing their business, growing their business. They were known for great tobacco growers, great quality. So they were selling tobacco for the major factories in Havana. And then my grandfather joined with their brothers. And they, they started growing their business until in uh, 1965, 100 years later, uh, they have to move from Cuba because of the Cuban Revolution. And, and they moved to Nicaragua. 
Right. And at this stage, this is, a, is it Sixto again was your grandfather? Yes, that was Sixto, Sixto Placencia Perez, which is uh, my grandfather, the third generation. He's the one that brought uh, my grandmother together with my father and my uncle. The yeah. old family came to the old family came to Nicaragua. Okay. So, does your how old was your father? He wasn't very old when you came over, was he? He was uh, 15 years old. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, when he when he had to move to Cuba to Nicaragua, so he finished his agriculture school in Nicaragua and 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 started working with his dad right away, also in tobacco, uh, and started growing the business from scratch. You know, starting from 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 nothing. That's, and, uh, do you remember, have you sat down and had a sort of long conversations with your dad? Does he recall what it was like at that time when he had to, you know, A, leaving your home with nothing, presumably, and then B, starting afresh in a new country? I mean, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's been a lot of conversations about that. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty uh, that my how my how my grandfather is going to be uh, support their family. Because they, they live in the country that nobody that never been before, uh, but that that is a story of resilience. Uh, and again, I love love of tobacco because the first the, the first the, when they moved out of Cuba in 1965, they went to Honduras and uh, without any job offer, nothing like that. But when people find out that Sixto Placencia was in Honduras, some previous uh, tobacco growers that came from Cuba before. They offer him two job offers. And right. My father offer, uh, accept the first one, even though it's a less less salary, because they're the owner of his work. So I've been I was raised listening to all these stories, man. It's amazing. And we start growing tobacco that that same year. We never stopped growing tobacco, despite all moving from countries, revolutions, hurricanes, diseases, and everything. We haven't skipped any crop since 1865 of tobacco. Really. That's it's amazing. It's amazing. That's extraordinary. So how did how did it work then? You, uh, like like the guys who came over originally, um, the other Cuban um, emigres who were um, Camacho and Bermejo who started Hoya. They came over, didn't they, originally as well? Um, and your and your dad and your granddad came over as well. How did yeah. they end up sort of finding the right patch? Were they like literally renting little bits of land to grow tobacco on? Is that how it started? Yeah, there was there was some tried uh, some uh, trails that they've been doing in in uh, for uh, cigarette tobacco, especially yeah. in the Jalapa, Jalapa area, a little bit in Celia, you know, Metepe as well. Uh, so they've been they've been uh, British American tobacco was here before making some tests and this and that, and then we we found that in the in the seventeen hundreds there were some tobacco that was grown in Nicaragua, shipped to Cuba. And send it to Cuba, to Spain, as a Cuban tobacco. So there was some some story of those regions of growing tobacco for many years ago. And right. then we, we follow this. We follow the steps of the people of the British American tobacco that they will make tests and and find out that the Esteli, Jalapa, Ometepe, Condega were uh, great great areas to grow tobacco. Okay. Yeah, I understand. And then it's just a gradual process of building up getting a little bit of more land and starting to, I mean, you're, I mean, by the time your dad sort of took over the business as it were, it was quite well established, but he really 
took it to the next level, didn't he? And he has um, made cigars for everybody and anybody in the business. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yes. My dad is it's a legend. So I'm, I'm so fortunate that having him by, by my side every day and still learning from him. Uh, so so it's, it's great. So he, he moved with my grandfather in 1979. Uh, they grew a nice side business of growing tobacco in the 70s in Nicaragua supporting cigar factories in in uh, United States with tobacco and then the Nicaraguan revolution came and they have to move to Honduras again uh, back so so they lost twice everything twice and start growing tobacco in Honduras he told to the customers you know I'm just crossing the border the tobacco is going to be very similar so I'm going to keep supplying tobacco so he, he managed that but in 1981 the blue mole appeared in the in the country wow. and destroyed all the crops, man. All the crops in one night. Jeez. Uh, I remember the story that my grandfather was with, with my dad, and my grand my grandfather told to my dad, son, you know, we have big, big problems. And my dad said, No, 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 you're you're not you're not right, you know. There's nothing that can destroy a crop from, from one day to another. And my, and my grandfather told my dad, you know, I've I been there. I saw that in the 50s in Cuba. So this is, very, this is very, very, very hard. So they went to the farm and they see the complete field blue, you know, with the mold. So that was a, a disaster. Wow. And uh, you know, the 80s was a very, very hard times. Uh, one crop after another, the blue mold hit. My father never quit, never quit, man. He, he managed himself to to pay all the all the people that we working with us sometimes uh we didn't have the cash to pay the the electricity bill for the home but he what my father always said you know the the money for the payroll is sacred these right. people depends on that so i'm prepared to pay them in you know, order electricity in my home so he wow. find he find the way he's a fighter he's a fighter and I think a lot of people forget that the the sort of um, the old man padrons of the world and your father and the people that came first sort of uh, by the time it's come around to our, us, um, you know, they've done very, very well for themselves. They have lovely houses, big plantations, big factories, and it all seems quite easy. But it's easy for people to forget that one time they were just another guy trying to grift a living. Right. And um, yeah. they had to work so damn hard to get there. It was it was very hard and uh, and 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 he always remembers it. But you know the beauty of this that my father always said, you know, because of this situation that happened to us, you know, lost and everything twice, hard working or manage, have to be creative, have to make things happen. We are in the position that we are right now, so we have to we never have to forget those days. You always have to be good with your people. Yeah. Like, Try to do the best that you can because you know you don't know what's going on. You know, like 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 the situation that we have right now. But yeah. you always, we, we're gonna find we're gonna find a way no matter what because we've been there. And uh, and he managed to open a cigar factory in 1985. He said, you know, I want to I want to be vertical integrated. I have some good tobacco age, you know. So let me let me start making some cigar for private labels. Little by little, he start he start. Uh, making cigar for for blenders gold that was one of the first brand that we make i i was a 10 year old uh during that time but i've been going to the farm with my dad since i was little a little kid and i remember those days the first fact the first factory very slow, very slow 
two pairs here, you know, people deveining the tobacco, the packaging. Uh-huh. And I was working and helping my dad in all the in all the the work in the tobacco, in the fields and the factories and everything. And uh, little by little he managed to get more customers, to get more customers. Uh, there was some uh uh that came that what more resistible resistant to blue mold, so that that helped big time. At the late at the late eighties and uh and, and, and uh fungicides also that came that developed, you know, uh for for combining the disease. So we started managing, you know, it's working and working and working and people said, you know, you have to you have to try to do something else because this is not something about you, it's a big disease that you cannot control. And he said, No, 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 people believe in me, so I have to I have to keep going. I will never quit. And um uh, and then then the night is changed, everything changed, Nick. The blue, the 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 boom came, mm. and uh, and we have the infrastructure. We have some tobacco, the factory, so we start receiving a lot of more orders. And he managed himself to be one of the biggest, one of the biggest cigar companies in the world. So, you know, it's uh, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful it, story. It really is, and and you're right. You, you know, you have to remind yourself every day that you have to pay your dues. You have to be humble. You have to do the things that got you there. Because once you get there, if you stop doing them, you're not there anymore, right? Yeah, no, and it's always because once you get into your comfort zone, then you see, you know, I, I accomplished this, I accomplished that. Then is the, the that's the beginning of uh, of the disaster, you know, and happened with a lot of family businesses. Uh, so we're trying we're trying not to be that. Uh, my generation, when my brother, my sister, uh, tried to work hard, tried to do uh, different stuff, you know, follow their follow. My father, grandfather, and our ancestor footstep, footstep, but trying to do uh, things a little bit, a little bit different, uh, yes. with guidance, and uh, but never, never get into your comfort zone. Always trying new stuff, uh, learning, uh, having, having mistake, having mistaken, and uh, you know, and and trying, and trying hard, and and be passionate. You know, the the beauty of this is that. And my father always, my father never, never pushed any of us to work into the business because he says, if you're going to work, you have to work hard because it's not easy, you know, and I expect for you guys to work hard. Yeah. And, uh, but I, we always love it. You know, I always love to be at the farm. I'm a farmer myself, like, like my dad, my brother helps us in finance. Uh, my other brother, he is in Miami managing the distribution of our cigars in the United States. Uh, having an MBA right now, my sister's managing all the social responsibility uh, initiatives that we have in, and uh, it's, it's, it's great. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with what we're doing, man. Do you, have you, out of interest, have you ever been back to Cuba, Ernesto? Oh, really? Yes. And my dad, and my dad, and my dad as well. Oh, really? We, we still have some relatives there uh, that is, they're still growing tobacco, so... My dad uh, wants to go and visit tobacco growers and see how things going and this and that. And uh, I've been there myself, so it's it's a it's a beautiful country. It's a beautiful country. It is. And how was it for him? Did he remember it much? Was it emotional, or had he sort of lost the, a lot the of that? First, the first time that was very emotional for sure. That was in the nineties. I think the 90, 1994 was the first time that he went back after nineteen sixty five. So that was. You know, seeing all the people and there and that, uh, and now he's trying to go like every year, every two years, something like that. And he always love because uh, people people are very friendly, happen, uh, open their doors. 
especially the small farmers, man. This is a community that they teach everything. We have we have a group of uh, uh, tobacco, Cuban tobacco farmers uh, last uh, February, this last February. So they they came here and we I'm showed busy. everything that we that we're doing here. They there was a, a Club de Fumadores, a, a cigar club from Havana. They organized it. And they came and they came here and then, and then my dad went back uh, in February as well and, and and visited some of the farmers that came. It's a it's a great fellowship. It's beautiful. Uh, that's a lovely story. It's nice that they get to go back and because there's a lot of people that, for example, a lot of ex-Cubans in Miami who have never been back and things for various reasons. So it's nice to hear that. Well, let's um let's talk a bit about you, Nesta. Um, Let's so tell me about your earliest cigar or tobacco memories when you were a kid. Wow, since I opened my eyes, my friend, since <laughs> I opened my eyes, <laughs> I always be surrounded by cigars. Is that you? Sorry, So, um, yeah, right from the get-go, you just remember being, what, following your dad about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember I remember that my house was filled with tobacco, with cigars uh, all the time. Uh, my dad with, uh, with uh, my grandfather and all, we have other Cubans that are working together with us during those days. So there was always cigars, and I remember the smell. And it's something that it still happened to me every time that I – that I go into a curing barn where yeah. the tobacco is hand out on the barns, that, that sweet smell every time. And I do that pretty often, almost <laughs> daily. Every time it reminds me my childhood, like uh, four years old or something like that, getting to right. get into a, uh, a curing barn. It's amazing how the smells get into your brain. And, uh, and my first cigar was when I was four years old, my friend. I what? take... Yes, I took one of the one of the cigars from the table. They were my, my dad had a party the day before, so they left they left some cigars on the table. So I went on under the bed, tried to light up the cigar with my cousin, and the bed got on fire, man. On the bed. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom was not very happy, but my dad was very happy, so I can tell. <laughs> uh, what a great story! So, did someone have to run in and put it out? I have to run out, and that was a big burn below the below the bed. Uh, so, <laughs> my mom still remember that. Oh, <laughs> uh, Nestor, what do you like? So that was it. You were hooked right from the right from early. So, as soon as you were old enough, you just followed him around like a shadow, did you? Oh yes, yes. I, I going to the going to the farm, listening to him. I always want to be an, an agronomist, so I love to be in the outdoors and, and to see the tobacco growing, uh, cattle as well. You know that kind of stuff. So I always want to go outdoor and uh, and, and and learn and learn and, and and my father put me to work in a very in a very young age. I was I was working on the farm in my holidays and also working in the factory when we started the factory. I learned how to make cigars. I learned how to make pilones. I learned how to devein the leaves. 
I learned all the all the all the jobs. I I've been doing I've been doing all of those. So you know, uh, at the beginning, to be honest, I didn't like it because they forced me to work when I was a little kid. Every all my friends were having uh, fun and I was working. But mm. now I love it because I learned everything. You know what and I mean? You, you literally learned it from the ground up, sort of thing. It wasn't like um, you know, boss's son doesn't have to do that. You did everything, did you? I did everything, and and. Uh, that was one of my, my biggest challenges when I when I went and studied agronomy and I went back and I came after I graduate. I don't want people sitting, you know, this is the son of the of the owner. So I want to gain the people respect. So I work harder than them. I, I wake up earlier and uh, and try to get the respect by the hard work and learning from them, you know, try to get because it's hard when you get new ideas with the in a very traditional industry. Mm. So how you make people believe in that? But my father was open-minded to let me experiment with organically grown tobacco, drip irrigations. You know, bring new stuff in the in the business. And uh, but I have to try it, and I have to prove that they work and everything. And, and still to these days, when I have when I, when we have an idea, you know, we have to prove it that it works. And we have to do all the homework and this and that. Otherwise, it, it won't it won't happen. Well, that's interesting. That brings that brings me on to something that I want to talk to you about is about the organic cigar. And but but before we get there, <clears throat> I just want to talk very briefly about the um, factory in it is in Esteli, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We we have we have actually we have four factories. We have one factory in Esteli, another one in Ocotal, and yeah. two factories in Honduras. So we 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 are diversified in, in two countries. Yeah, so you have a beautiful factory in, in Esteli, which I came along to see with you, with uh, with Alex Martinez. Um, yes. And there's a gorgeous little fountain in the middle there, in a little open courtyard, which is really sort of a zen, <laughs> zen fountain. <laughs> it's really lovely, sort of meditative. And there's a little, um, off to one side of one of the, uh, of the courtyard, there's a sort of a, like a cloister where there's a whole timeline of the family history with the the stuff you were telling us about earlier about your, your grandfather and your dad and there's black and white photos of them in Cuba and stuff, which, yes. is, which is really cool. And then we were lucky enough to have a quick chat in your office with your dad and you. And, and um, he's a lovely down-to-earth man as well. There's no airs and graces about him. but It's amazing. He's an amazing human being. You know, to learn from someone like that is, is very special. But it's interesting you say, and before we go on about the, the organic cigar, where was it you studied? I study agriculture in uh, in Samorano. It's uh, it's the best agriculture school in Latin America. So they have uh, people from all Latin American countries that go to study there. Right. Uh, that was a great experience. You know, I learned big time. It's great, great teachers that I had and everything. But the greatest teacher of all is my dad, my friend. You know, yeah. this is this is where this is where I learned the the, the real life stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, but it was fun time, fun times. And I learned how to grow organically vegetables, organically grown vegetables and that kind of stuff. So when I, when I finished my, uh, university, I tried to implement all the things that I've been learning. And, uh, and, and, and I talked to my dad to try to grow organically grown tobacco. Nobody have done it before. Yes. Uh, and in, the first in, thing he said to you was, excuse me. And when the first thing he said to you was about organic cigars? Oh, uh, that you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he said, I tried to explain, you know, this is a trend. Uh, it's, good for the, it's good for the environment. It's a sustainable. 
we have to look for the next generations to come and this and that. So he said, okay, you have to do your homework and, and, and try it. Let's try it in a, in, a small, in a small field and then see how it goes. So the, it's, we had a lot of challenges, Nick, because yeah. tobacco is a very violent plant. If you stare to the tobacco plant, you're almost seeing the tobacco plant is growing, you yes. know, because it grows so fast. So we need a, we need a fertilizer that, that gives all the nutrients to the plant organically. So it's hard, but we try and error, try and error, and the best fertilizer that we found was the vermicompost. So are the worms, you know, the airborne hummus. Absolutely. And, uh, this brings us around to the wonderful t little red worms that you showed me in the, in, in the massive vats you've got there on the farm. I mean, yes, explain to the listeners how that all works. We are, we are well, worm farmers, and uh, <laughs> that's the luxury organic fertilizer is what we, is what we created. It's amazing because we get all the crop residues, uh, maize, beans, uh, plantains, we put into compost. And the, when those residues are already already composed, we given that uh, or that material to the earthworms. The earthworms is going to be eating that and transforming into the justice system. And at the at the end result, we have the amazing organic material full with nutrients that we put back into the soil in order to the tobacco roots get all the nutrients, get rich, grow healthier give us a great, great tobacco leaves with a great flavor. And man, the results are amazing that I, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And we started in the, uh, the late 90s, beginning of the 2000s, with try and error, try and error, and, uh, and how you fight blue mold again. Uh, and my father gave me, this, gave, me the, gave me this idea. You know, blue mold is, don't like uh, hot temperatures. So we're going to have to grow this tobacco at the, at the late of the season, at the latest months of the season. And just, so explain, I, just explain this to, to people who might not know what blue mold actually is. Blue mold is a disease that can, it's a very aggressive disease. It's a fungi disease yeah. fungi, that cover all the leaves of the tobacco out of with, a, with a blue mold, as his name says. And it's dried out all the leaves completely. So, you, so it's a very bad disease. Blue mold needs uh, cold temperature and high humidity in order to reproduce itself. So yeah. what, what we did is uh, avoid those conditions, getting, growing the tobacco in the months of uh, April, May, uh, the, late, the late of the tobacco season, because the temperature right now is hot, hotter. So we don't, have, we don't have the blue mold right now as we have in the January, December, January season. So we're making we're making the the weather conditions to be our ally, and it working and it working pretty pretty good. We also grow uh, sunflowers together with the tobacco uh, in the middle of the field, in order to uh, the sunflower attract the beneficial insects that are gonna go and, and eat the bad insects. Um, let's take it back to the original time when you had small plots you were going to um, to sort of test trial with. Um, and you're talking about a sort of very traditional process that has basically not changed for hundreds of years. Yes. Um, and they had ways they knew that worked, and this is how you do it, and if you want it to work, this is how you do it. And you came along and said, well, I want to try it another way. And your dad said, well, that's fine, but I'm telling you, it's, you're crazy. This is the way that works. Why mess with it sort of thing? <laughs> um, 
Uh, but of course, if you want a truly organic cigar, then you have to start with truly organic soil, and that takes how long? Yeah, you have to find uh, with a field with tobacco that haven't been that haven't been grown in three years or more. So what we did, we we get uh, some some cattle in fields that we have for cattle for cows, and we use it we use it for growing the organic tobacco. Okay. Uh, so there was never been any any plant was growing there before that you use uh, synthetic fertilizers or fungicides and that kind of stuff. So and where what, your and let me just explain to readers, uh, listeners rather, where your um, farm is or, or one of the, your farms that I visited um, is a beautiful spot, and it's and you've got sort of in the distance you can see mountains, so it's relatively shielded from the wind. Then it dips down into a sort of a shallow valley of this gorgeous flat plain with this really uh, fertile earth. And, uh, and you noticed, and I hadn't even, it hadn't even clicked to me, but you noticed the other day that on my website, I'd, yes. taken, um, I'd taken that lovely panoramic picture of, um, uh, uh, of your um, plantation there with that gorgeous oak tree that you're very fond of. And I'd forgotten I'd got it. And you said, ah, I love your picture. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great I, spot, isn't it? It is a great spot. You know, I, as I always said, you were blessed. We're blessed because we have this uh, amazing soil for growing tobacco. The land is so rich in nutrient and the microclimate as well. You know, the humidity, the temperature, the rain patterns and everything. It's, it's a blessing. But the most important thing, Nick, is that we have is the people with the passion and with the know-how, how sure. to grow the best tobacco in the world. You know, that's, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not just us. It's, it's all the farmers that are growing tobacco here you know they're doing an amazing job and uh and it's it's beautiful to to being growing tobacco i'm a nicaraguan myself imagine how i feel when i when i talk about uh, my country in the world so uh it's one of the uh, it's one of the products that you can say that we're the best in the world so it's a it's a great it's a great feel that uh that what product that you're part of is, is have that reputation in the world. So it's, it's, it's amazing feeling. Yeah, I mean, that's something to be proud of. Um, and only in like to, uh, 2017, 2018, for those that don't know, Nicaragua um, overtook Cuba as the world's biggest exporter of hand-rolled long filler cigars, which is an incredible thing. Um, and does there sort of, when you go elsewhere in Nicaragua, out of cigar circles, and you say that you're a cigar maker, do, do the general population know that it's a you know one of their sort of crown jewels and 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 it's something that the country is famous for out you know outside in the wide world do they get that yes uh we we want we want that the people understand all the all the the benefits and the quality of the nicaraguan tobacco you know i think and little by little i think we're accomplished that more people are more people are are seeing the nicaraguan as a source of a, of amazing cigars and they talk to their friends. You see, you follow social media, how people are talking about it. The, the festival that, we're, that we have as well is bringing more people in and spread the word about the quality. So it's nice because uh, we have uh, as, as, as the, the farm that you visit in SLE, but we also have Condega, which is another valley uh, very, close to, very close to SLE, which is amazing tobacco fields. Then you have Jalapa, which is beautiful and he's known for his amazing wrappers, you know? And then we have Ometepe with the two volcanoes, that rich soil that creates that's amazing and unique tobacco. 
So we're blessed, man. We're blessed. Why can't I say it? No, you truly are. And, um, and, and just going back to the organic thing a bit, because I'm fascinated by it. So when, because uh, I've talked to this, I talked about this to lots of manufacturers in, in all different countries about sustainable tobacco production, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the world's changing and, and we need to change with it. The climate's changing. We need to look at better ways of farming, better ways of sequestering carbon and, and oh, using, know. you know, and I know that you're, you believe all this stuff and you know much more about it than me. But um, so how does it, how can we sort of change tobacco production to make it more environmentally friendly? Because, uh, you know, if you do it in a certain way, perhaps in the way that it's been done for a long time with no changes, it's actually in danger of, you know, becoming a monoculture in, 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 a, in a micro system and that's not great so we need to find ways of doing it that add or you know at least don't detract from the environment so how do you how do you see that from an agronomist point of view that's that's an amazing question nick and uh, and we've been experimenting with different different kind of growing the tobacco i think the most important thing is taking care of your soil uh and, and your soil is after your people is your second biggest asset in the tobacco in the tobacco industry you have to be very careful for all the things that you do to your soil. Uh, what we try to do, we try to cover our soil with uh, crop rotation. After the tobacco, we grow beans that can absorb the nitrogen from the atmosphere, put them back into the soil. Uh, try to not have the soil uh, under, under cover because it's when erosion can come, when it rains can bring and all the topsoil can go to the rivers when the wind came, you know, the wind erosion and that kind of stuff. So we're trying, yep. trying different, different things, how we can avoid use uh, mechanical, uh, heavy mechanicals into the soil in order to have a more traditional, uh, a more, a more re- re- regenerative agriculture is what they call it right now. Yeah. And so, um, what yes. about sort of, you have to, sorry to interrupt you, you have to be, I was talking to someone who's working very closely with, uh, do you know Alejandro Torrent from Mexico? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I know him and his cousin, Miguel. Exactly. Sure. And they're lovely guys. And he was talking to me and working with somebody who I like to spend some time with who's very keen on regenerative um, agriculture. And he was telling me about where they were. You know, it's quite close to the river plain. So they were trying to move um, little bits of earth and create barriers. And because, again, the, the problem they have, you can look after your soil the best you like. But if there's a massive amount of rain and, and a sort of landslide, mudslide, it, all the topsoil goes and you're left with rock, right? And you went through that back in, uh, was it 98 or something? Yeah, with the Mitch. We have the Hurricane Mitch in 1998. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, no. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a challenge and I, and I respect Miguel and Alejandro big time. You know, they're great tobacco people. And uh, it's, it's the things that you have to, be, that you have to do. For example, uh, we style in drip irrigation system as well. Right. That, you, that we can save 50% of the water instead of uh, traditional re- irrigation. And, uh, but I think in, in, in our opinion, Nick, that one of the most important things is adding organic material to your soil. Right. When you add organic material to the soil, you're, you're putting a lot of microorganisms into the soil that can be, can be able to extract the nutrients out of that soil and make that tobacco plant stronger. And when the tobacco yes. plant is stronger, the richness of the flavor are amazing. But at the same time, the tobacco don't get sick 
don't get don't get sick by diseases like blue mold, black shank, because it's so strong and he develops his, their own uh, immune system. It's so it's so uh, healthy that right. it will that will repel everything. Uh, we're making we're making tests regarding that regarding that. Also working with uh, hybrids <clears throat> that we develop ourselves with uh, Omelio Espino that you know that I know that you know. Uh, it's a great is is uh, for in my opinion is the greatest genetist in the world for tobacco. Yeah, uh, and we and we're working for them to create more resistance to disease uh, tobacco tobacco hybrids. Well, a hundred percent no GMOs. You know, it's a traditional way to do these uh, new varieties and stuff like that. And we want to have those varieties to be adapted into our climate condition and into our soils. So, so trying to tr we're trying to multi-species cover crop as well in order to, in order the roots can can go different different dips into the soil and extract nutrient for different layers into, into the soil. So you know, and, and integrated grazing also integrated animals. So it can put some a lot of uh, uh, nutrition back into the fields. So we're trying, you know, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a new world to discover. But we're trying it, and we're making some tests because I'm passionate about these topics, man. I'm passionate because I know if we don't do something, my generation or my son kids generation is gonna have a big big problem in order to farming. Totally, I, and I agree. And that's part, you know, apart from being your lovely chat to chat to you anyway. But that's part of the reason I wanted to bring you on because Nia is so passionate about this, and it's something that I'm, you know, conscious of that needs to be done if we're going to find a way through. You know, uh, quite aside from all the legislation and everything else, we need to find a way to make make this work in a kinder way for the earth, right? And um, and so we all benefit from it. Um, a hundred percent. And the benefits is that you have a better, a better tobacco. And when you have a better tobacco, you have a better cigars. And, uh, and the final consumer will, will have a better uh, cigar experience. So it's a win-win for everybody. And, uh, and the, but the thing that I love the most about the organically grown tobacco is all the, is all the experience that gave us in order to be more sustainable with the other tobacco fields. Because right now we're using garlic in order to avoid, with, in, our, in order to avoid pests. You know, we spray oh, really? garlic. What, you, you plant garlic around the outside. Yes, and we and we have some uh, uh, liquid garlic that you can get in the market and spray the and spray the plants uh. and the and the smell. They don't like it. You know, the 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 insects, the pests, they don't like that smell and they leave. Uh, we use in a, a fungi that is benefic benefic beneficial fungi that calls uh, trichoderma that covers the roots of the plant and don't let the bad fungi get into the plant. So we're doing that for 100% of our tobacco crop, not just for the organic. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, so your findings in, in, you know, your, in your trials have actually benefited, benefited the, um, the growing of the tobacco as a whole. Yes, and adding organic material, uh, the earthworm hummus, the vermicompost, we do it 100% fertilizer with the organically grown tobacco, but we use some of that in order to regular tobacco, in order to add more organic material back into the soil. Brilliant. So, and, and part of that, and part Excuse of that me? you said was, uh, sorry to interrupt you again, uh, but part of that you noticed, uh, you said to me when I was there and I noticed was one of the things I've noticed in traveling around factories all over the world is there's a massive amount of stems removed and they tend to be 
piled up in huge bins or left on the factory floor or whatever. Yes. And I've often, I've often thought, you know, that, are they used for combustion? Can you make a fuel out of them? Whatever. I noticed that they were in with your, with your lovely red worms. Yes, yes. We feed in, we feed in the worms and, and we are compost some in order to make, because it's organic material that we're throwing away. So we don't want, we don't want to do that. So we started to put it away, to, to compost it, to give it to the worms and create, and create uh, organic material that you can back put into that soil. So yeah. those are the things in, in, in how you can be more sustainable in all the tobacco process. We avoid using any plastic right now. Uh, when, we, when we saw when the tobacco leads into the poles, right now we avoid, we, we, we change the plastic into the, right now we're using cotton uh, in, order to, in order to hand the leads into the poils. Uh, so those little things are the one that, you know, how we be more efficient with, uh, with your electricity, with your water usage and all that kind of stuff, you know. And the people, on, and the people appreciate that. I think you're, the people that work for you, they think that when you care, man, that's just a big uh, motivator for them. That they, yeah. that they work in a company that they're looking for their, for their health, for their benefits, uh, for their kid benefits with the, with the, we, we're growing forests. I show you the forest that we grow and, yeah. uh, at the farm as well, that we did this Milwaukee system uh, from a forest that we, that we create a hundred year forest in 10 year time. And uh, very proud of that. It's two years old and the leaves and the trees are amazing. So we try to be very sustainable and regenerative in, in, in all the things that we're doing, my friend. Yeah, that's interesting. You're right, because it, you know, it's all very well for you to bang on about it and say how great it is, but you need some buy-in from your people, don't you? And once they have that buy-in, then they begin to behave in a more responsible way and they tell it to their families and they, everybody begins to buy in, then it works, doesn't it? It works, it works. And, and the, again, the, the quality of the cigars can tell you because they're passionate and motivated. We do, we do, we give them a lot of uh, seminars about how they can be better, you know, how can improve themselves as a human being, how they can teach that to their families. We have a daycare centers to 250 kids that we gave them a preschool education uh, with a Montessori style. So it's a first world quality education. So we're very proud of all the things that we're doing and, and, and we're always looking for things and how we can, how we can, everybody can benefit for this. You know, the farmers, the, the cigar makers, the people that works on the farms, on the fields, uh, the distribution companies and, and, and uh, the, the retailers and the final consumer at the end. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, I think it was the first time I properly had a chance to chat to you was when we sat down at Dortmund a few years ago at the, uh, at the trade show and we were, we were sitting next to each, uh, each other at dinner at uh, one of the great Cortez parties. And, um, and I remember we had a conversation about obviously the same sort of things we're talking about now, cause that's what we talk about. <laughs> but I remember, I remember clearly having a conversation with you about social responsibility and about how important it was that, you know, for the reasons we've already discussed, you got a guy that has worked, has made his way, has made a great business and it's now, you know, known around the world, but it's also so important to keep that going in and keep looking after the people that work for you. Um, maybe at some stage it'd be great to talk to your sister who, who you said at the beginning um, looks after that side of the business, but can you give us a like, sort of a little brief idea of the sort of things you do for your workers and to keep people uh, that work for you 
um, you know, looked after, as it were. Yes, uh, well, my pleasure. I think the, the quality of a company is in direct response of the quality of the people that works in the, to that company. So yeah. I've, been, I've been reading about the best companies in the world, what they do. And the common denominator is that they, 100% of them invest in their people, invest in their skills, in their motivation, invest in, invest in their uh, education and the well-being. So we're trying, to, we're trying to do that kind of stuff. So we hired a consulting company in the United States that teach how their brain works, how you can accomplish all the goals that you, that you put into, into your mind, how you can get rejections out, you know, that kind of stuff in order for them yeah. to, number one, for them to be in a better human being, number two, that for them to be a better family people, and number three, to be a better uh, worker. So, but when you have a better human being, a better family person, for sure, you're going to have a better employee in your, in your work. <laughs> That's very true. Company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and then, and, and you express, and you express that, uh, that well-being for the community. Uh, we're taking care of their kids, you know, with the, with the Montessori, with the Montessori uh, system. So the kids are learning how to uh, make things by doing it. You know, they learn how to write, how to, how to count, but the national uh, is uh, their own abilities, you know? Mm. Uh, and we do it in, we have an SLE. In all, the, in all the places that we have a facility here in Nicaragua, we have, we have a daycare for the son of the workers. And uh, I'm, very, I'm very, very proud of that. And to see, because I was born here, I was born here and I want my community to thrive, you know? And the only way, and I think the, the, the private sector have a big responsibility to, to help the countries in to achieve that. And, uh, and, and you have to do it. And the best thing of all is that your company is in a better, in a better position because you have a better people, more committed people working with you. Yeah. And, and at the end you have a better cigars and, and, and you will have a company for many, many years to come. If you do the other, the other side, you know, you won't have a company for, for many years. It's a short term vision. It yeah. won't last. It, it won't last. It's been studied for all the all the best uh, business schools in the world, so it's no brainer. Yeah, exactly right. And it when it sounds it sounds so easy, but it actually is. It's not easy to implement. But the theory of it is very easy. You look after your people. You make sure they are looked after, and as human beings as well as workers, you invest in their education. They believe in what they're doing. They work better. Your company does better. You make more money. You get make greater cigars. Everything's a winner, right? Everything is a winner. You know that the, the execution is the hard part. But when you see <laughs> it's, it's it's a novel, it's a novel thing. At the beginning, you have you have the the naders, you know, the the negative people that you have to work with, and then you have to say, you know, uh, if people don't want to change, I can help you, but I cannot make you change. So maybe this is not the right company for you, but yeah. uh, it's not that you're bad, but it's not you're not good for for our company. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, uh, the good thing that we haven't that we haven't do that. Uh, many, many some people we have to, but uh, the majority of the people uh, believe in that. I, I believe, and uh, and I feel and I feel you know I have as you saw pictures of for the employees in the in the wall of the factory. Because yes. they are the ones who's doing their work. And I, and I have a big portrait where I say, thank you guys 
for your hard work, people are enjoying their life better. So, you know, because it's one, it's not one, uh, one guy job. It's a, a lot of people. It's a teamwork. Everything that we do, we always say it's a teamwork. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just talk about a little, um, I wanted to talk to you about also on the farm where you, you told, you showed me the, um, uh, the worm, the worm farm. And, uh, and then and we had a little horse ride around the plantation, which was, which was lovely. Um, and you gave, <laughs> yes, you, gave, you gave me the poor old plodding horse that was, was the calmest thing in the world that just let, you know, led me around. So that was very kind of you rather than giving me some stallion or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me about, you know, um, you talked at the time that you would love to make the place a resort where people could eventually come and stay and experience everything we've talked about. Is that any further down the line or is that really a long-term project? It is a, it was, it was a medium term project with, uh, with all this stuff, you know, that's been happening. I think it's getting to a long term project, but it's still always in the back of my mind. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing what the wine industry have done with that. How yes. you can make some brand loyalty when the people experience by themselves or the things that we're talking right now. It's, yeah. it's not one thing is that, that, that they're listening to us right now, but one thing, the other thing is that, they come and experience by themselves and they see it, all the things that we do in order to make the great cigars that we have and, you know, in order to create with the, with the Placencia, Alma series, the Reserva Original and all the stuff, you know. So I would love to do that. I have the, the, t the top of the hill that we can go by the horse and see in all the tobacco plantations and they see again and, and, and climb that hill seeing all the tobacco field from the hill, seeing the factories at the end, yeah. enjoying a cigar in the, in the process. Man, that's amazing. And I'm that so blessed that I can do it, that I can yeah. do it myself every week. So I want the people to experience that. I don't want to be selfish. <laughs> no, that, I mean, that would be amazing. And I think it's a brilliant idea. And I think a lot of people would love it. And it, it's so true. I mean, um, you know, the best experience you can have you can read everything you like about a subject you can talk to anyone you like about a subject and you will become very uh, educated about a subject but nothing nothing can replace being there and seeing it and feeling it and smelling it and um and, and you know that and i know that so you know as soon as you can do that as soon as the world lets us do that you know i'm 100 percent behind you i'm i'll uh, i'll i'll give you all the plugs i can and i'll i'll come and host people to come and see you whatever whatever helps because i know it's a beautiful beautiful place so we Thank need to do appreciate i appreciate it you're you're on the top of my list to let them know when it's ready i know <laughs> i know that you know a lot of people and being in amazing places all over the world so it's true i've been very lucky and i and people follow me who have similar interests so yeah i would love to say to them look i've got this trip going to to go and see nestor who wants to be in and i reckon we would get a good response um, sure. before i let you go my friend i know you're busy and it's lunchtime where you are you so you probably need to grab a bite to eat before you go out i i think it'd be lovely to finish to give people an idea of um your day uh, and when we were trying to nail down this interview and it was earlier you sent me a message which must have been um very early and said let's do it to, today and i said okay that's that's my tonight that's fine and i said that's great and you said yep and then I looked at it and I looked back at the time and I thought, that's about 5 a.m. in Nicaragua. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. you do live, you, you know, you're not just talking the talk, you walk the walk. So tell us, tell us, if you would, give us an idea of when you're, when you're at home and not traveling, 
tell us what your day is like. My day starts at like 4.45 in the morning. Whoa. Um, so I, 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 I'm an early bird. I love, I love to take advantage. We all of us have 24 hours in the day, man. That's, that's very, that's 100% for all human beings. <laughs> what we're gonna do? What we're gonna do to those twenty-four hours is the big. It's a big difference. So I yeah. want to be very efficient in those twenty-four hours. So I, 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 I try to go to bed at about nine thirty in the at night and wake mm. up like four four forty-five or something like that. Okay. So the first thing you do at four forty-five? I'm I I pray. I thank my my gratitude prayers that I'm alive, that I have my family's fine and everything. You know, gratitude is a big is a big part for me. Yeah, uh, I do a little bit of exercises uh, at home and and that kind of stuff in order to boost my metabolism and, uh, and a little bit of uh, start to meditate like a month ago. Yeah, uh, a little bit of visualization. Uh, how do, how do I want my day goes, my week to go? It's an amazing kind of, thing, isn't it? It's amazing, man. It calms your mind, especially in these hard times that is full with uh, bad news. Bad news. Uh, yes. so it's calm me uh, and and I uh, doing with my wife uh, and it's 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 great it's great so I recommend it to everybody it's like smoking a cigar you know without yeah, having a cigar absolutely. and I found it it's just um, it helps you be more sort of I think every everything in your life you know what the best course of action is generally deep down inside you know what the right answer is sometimes you have to think about it and ponder about it but basically when it comes down to it you know and you go with your gut feel and it's generally right and i've found the best thing about that amongst many things it just makes you more sure of what you you think if you you, you know you come out of it with a very clear mind and a question comes along or a situation or even something you know that you wouldn't weren't expecting but you know exactly the direction you want to take it in um and i uh, think 100 percent I, I, yeah, I just think that's the thing for me. It just helps clear your mind. But yeah, that, that's a that's a great great th uh, tip for everybody. I think who's never tried it, even if it's ten minutes of quiet thinking, yeah. I think it's very 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 good for you. So uh, after that, um, uh, after that, part, I go I go or I go and I have you know going to the going to the office about seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, seeing seeing how the people in the production room and. and uh, Seeing and, and say hello to the people here. Uh, when I go, when I go here to the to the factory, I'm at the factory right now. Or some days I go to the to the farm directly to see how the tobacco is growing and then talking to the engineers over there. Uh, so you know that's that's part of that's part of my job. Checking the quality, seeing the emails. You know, right now I want to be very very with a, a lot of communication with my with my customers. Mm. And with my, with, with my team in Honduras that I haven't been able to go. So we have, we have a, a lot of meetings with the guys, how, how things are doing and all the stuff. Uh, right now, I put in a lot of my time making sure the hygiene and the security of our people, it's the most important thing right now. Yes. Uh, if everybody's wearing the mask, uh, we're doing two chief right now in order to spread the people uh, with the social distancing that is required. So you know, we're working. I'm very proud of my team how they how they making all these things happen and, and taking all the precautions. For, and we're teaching them. And we have the doctors telling the people how to behave when they go to their houses. You know, get a shower, wash their hands all the time. Explain to their kids, to their families. And I think all the things that we've been doing with the people, with the team. You know, you can you can see the benefits right now. 
uh, in the challenging times that we're that we're living right now. So yeah, yeah. I I spend a lot of my time right now, you know, being being accessible to a hundred percent of the people here, and and checking that every everything and everybody's fine, and seeing the the health of my team right now. And what time may you smoke your first cigar? Oh, my first cigar about seven thirty eight. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Excellent. Do you, do you have a favorite sort of morning cigar or do you tend to test the blends or how does it work? Reserva. I try, I try to Reserva Original, which is the organic, with the organically grown tobacco. Yeah. Uh, my baby. Uh, and I said the, 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 the taste It's a full flavor cigar in a mild, in a mild strength, mild to medium right. strength. I, I, I like to, I like to describe it that way. So I try to that. Then I go and try blends and this and that. I, I don't, I don't uh, smoke uh, the hundred percent of the cigar. But I, I want to check, you know, if the blend is doing fine and this and that together with the team. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, I I think at the in the afternoon is when I is when I sit down again and enjoy another cigar. You know that enjoying the cigar that put attention to the cigar, not not yes. working and that kind of stuff. So, and uh, and there you know that's part that's part of my job, seeing all the things, uh, creating new projects. I want to take advantage of the crisis in a way that how we can learn from this situation. Yeah. Uh, I talked to my team a, a, a lot about this. How can, how can be better? We don't know what the future is going to like, but I know that we're going to fight for, for a place in this industry uh, to be in communicated communication, communication a lot with the people, how we can do for help. We're donating masks to the, to the olders, you know, here in Esteli, we're donating alcohol and, and things here for the home. Brilliant. Uh, we still have the kids. The kids are not going to the daycare, but we're training the teachers uh, uh, so they can have online uh, education for the kids. <laughs> Even though they're in uh, rural areas, we're trying the way how the kids can be educated. So we're trying to see all the kind of stuff and uh, and creating new projects. You know, keep um, I'm learning, uh, reading, and see how can how can be. Uh, I'm re- I'm, I'm re- learning a lot about regenerative agriculture and, and grazings. So, so that kind of stuff is where I spend my time these days. And, and if you're at home, where do you take lunch? Do you go home for lunch? Uh, usually I stay here at the factory. Yeah. Okay, and what get might lunch bite, be? Get a bite or something, and then I go about uh, 7, go back to home, 7 p.m. So if, uh, lunch might just be a sandwich, quick sandwich and a coffee or something? Yes, uh, a sandwich or, or, or uh, my, my wife, uh, she's amazing. And I love my wife, incredible. <laughs> so she sent me a salad or something like that for lunch. Bless uh, her. She cooked. And uh, this is the first time I was seeing all the, all the benefits, uh, all the good things that we have to find in a, in a crisis like, that, like this. Yeah. So for me, for me, it's the first time in a row that I've been in my family with my wife and my kids for six weeks in a row. Really? In, in, yeah, I can understand that. And I, I to be honest, I don't not, remember I normally a, a yeah. day that I haven't been spending so many days in a row because I, every week I go to Honduras back and forth. So I spend two, right. three days in Honduras every week. But I, could, I, I cannot do that. Or I go to United States like every five weeks or every four weeks and I travel to Europe one or two times a year. So, so, you know, this is the, this is the time to so enjoy and go playing with my kids every night, 
uh, seeing them, reading books with them, with my wife. So I'm enjoying this time, you know, in, in that aspect. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people around the world have had a sort of dose of reality and taken back to how we used to live and we lived as close families. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing, isn't it? And, um, and you're right, I used to spend a lot of time on the road, traveling places, you know, come back for a little while and go again. And I haven't, you know, basically haven't been anywhere rather further than up the road for six weeks, which is amazing. But, you know, it brings everybody closer. It makes you think what's important in life and you have to look after each other, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And the things that you came out with this, with this podcast, you know, that's amazing. So you can still be close to people <laughs> even though you cannot be face to face, you know? So yeah, that's, that's so true. I mean, I've been... I'd been thinking about it, talking about it to my wife, to, to, to my friends saying, look, I've got, you know, stuff, old audio things. I've got um, uh, great people I could talk to. I should do it. But you know what it's like? Everyday life takes over and I never did it. And I was sitting here thinking, well, now's the perfect chance. And actually it's been, uh, been remarkable. It's, you know, people, it, people love it. It's something to take their minds off what they're doing. It's helped them. And it's helped me to keep busy and given me a chance to talk to all you guys again, which is a thing that you miss really. But, it's been great. And, and so at the end of the day, um, you come home, seven, eight o'clock, you have something to eat with the family, uh, see the kids before they go to bed, and then do you have one last cigar before, before lights out? Not, not really. On the weekends, maybe. But, uh, but when I go back to home, I smoke the cigar like uh, six to seven here at the, at the office. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't go to, to the house and, because I spend a lot of time with them before. Uh, they go to bed and then I go to, I go to bed my, myself. Right. Well, there so you go. Folks. Sometimes we have a drink together with my wife. So that's, yep. I, I do it on a Friday night. I like to do that or Saturday night, you know, a glass of wine with a cigar or, or a flor de caña. Lovely. Uh, with a cigar at the, at the, ha at the porch of the, of the house. I love to do that. Beautiful. And that's a day in the life of Nestor Placencia. Nestor, has it been an absolute joy to speak to you? Thank you, Nick. It's been amazing for my, my side as well. And I, and I really want to thank you for the opportunity. So let, so let your listener know about a little bit more about what we do and all the passion that we have for this beautiful industry. It's a pleasure and I can't wait to see you. Hopefully, I don't know whether we'll get to Dortmund. Um, if we do, I'll see you there. Otherwise... Keep safe, my friend. Let's stay in touch. And um, I look forward to seeing you and, and having a drink and a laugh and a smoke with you. For sure. That will be, that will be amazing. And I will let you know as soon as I open my, my resort here at the tobacco fields. I'll be the first one through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Take care, my friend. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye. Bye. -bye. So there you go. That was a great chat to Nestor Placencia Jr. And I hope that gave you an idea of what a great guy Nestor is. I love chatting to him. Um, I love seeing him. He's sort of a guy you see across the room and there's a great big smile on his face. You can't help smiling back and he always gives you a hug. And yeah, he's a great, great bloke. And um, if you get the chance to uh, to visit Nika, then you should definitely get over there and see... Uh, see his place as well that uh, that farm is really beautiful and um having a little horse ride around there with him seeing the plantation and seeing the worms and the, and the organic uh, operation he's got going on is really impressive 
In fact, there's uh, on my website, www.nick-hammond.com, the sort of background picture. Um, I'll see if I can bring it up front of me as we speak. Uh, the background picture I took at Nestor's farm, and that's one of his, his favourite oak tree, and these rows and rows, and it's a lovely panorama uh, panorama picture, and I'm really, I love it. It's got these rows and rows of young tobacco, and you know the clouds glaring overhead and it's just beautiful anyway um that in a nutshell is the lovely nester uh, i hope you enjoyed it um and we'll keep uh, keep you keep going i hope everybody's in good form things are slowly but surely opening up again shops are starting to open and i'm thinking about traveling and you know stuff is starting to to ease up so fingers crossed that continues um, we'll keep in touch and i'll let you know whether these pods are going to continue in the same format as they are let me know if you're enjoying them i've had loads of messages from you please subscribe please go onto itunes or google if it's up there yet should be um, going up real soon on google please go on and Put a review on it makes such a difference um, two minutes of your time um, let's have a look on Apple iTunes there's a couple of uh, a couple of really nice reviews on there um, but it's you know it just needs people to take the time to do it and um, you know it would help me get the sort of um, notice I guess and give me reason to carry on doing this for you uh, what does that say around the world in 80 cigars just finding it here we go who says this uh, Mikey Mikey B Mikey BS even having read Nick's book around the world in 80 cigars a podcast was a must and now I can't wait for subsequent episodes the style and manner in which he converses with his guests is original and natural combined with the information and stories that come out about the cigar work it all makes for captivating listening i must a must subscribe to ah thank you mikey that's good of you um there's loads on there 13 reviews and stuff so yeah please do that that would be really helpful please buy the book if you haven't already it only remains for me to be telling you as i always do around the world in 80 cigars the book is full of interesting, weird, wonderful, and humorous stories. My travels from around the world, always trailed by the aroma of a fine cigar. Around the World Nature Cigars is available now, and you can buy it direct from www.nick-hammond.com. Fill it in there, and we can deliver it to you wherever you are in the world. I hope that's helpful, guys. I hope you're all well. Please keep so uh, keep, keep yourself safe and I look forward to hopefully catching up with more and more of you as these weeks go by all the best until next time look after each other and take care cheers guys bye bye